Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I am very excited to bring on the show today Eva Bartlett to discuss what she is seeing on the ground as a real live actual investigative journalist that doesn't exist today in Donbass as well as a larger Ukraine proper territory and discuss what she's seeing in contrast to what we're being forcefully reported from the corporate Western press. So today we're going to get into some of the things that she's been seeing, such as the mass graves topic, which I feel has been just completely exposed because of her recent work on the ground there. So welcoming back Eva Bartlett to the show. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing well, better than uh, people in Donbass. Yes, yes, exactly. That's kind of like the common thing today. Yeah, all things considered, we're, we're doing okay. It's, yeah. it's we made a point to make sure people didn't miss what had been happening for eight years or longer in, in the collective Donbass region. And it, and I shared that frustration early on where typically how we see this in the kind of two party paradigm world that we live in, that it's, it's extremes on either side when you're missing the middle, which is usually where things are, where it's either all fake or, you know, and that's frustrating because the people in Donbass get ignored while we're arguing the partisan discussion or whether it's all about COVID-19. Right. So it, I'm right. glad that you are taking the time to go there and check things for yourself, because that's what real journalism is all about. So if you, if, if you want to comment on that, actually, since I brought it up, that kind of interesting dynamic of the history there and how it got kind of missed in the beginning. Otherwise, I'd like to start with the mass grave conversation and, and what kind of made you want to jump out there and see what's happening on the ground. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Can you repeat your question? What, what did you want me to comment on? Sorry, that's my my scattered brain as it always is. No, it's well, not just, at uh, all. It's not. I'm a bit tired. <laughs> it's been a long day, so please. No I'm sorry. Well, I, I as I was opening, I was thinking, you know, I, w- let's just go ahead and ask you what what are your thoughts on on how why that's happening and why it's so easy for people, just average people, to get sucked into the partisan and it doesn't always have to be partisan, but the manipulations around these topics where either it's all fake and the Donbass situation is a psyop that's meant to cover up this, or it's all the other side of it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic of how that got covered up and how these people have been suffering for quite a long time. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the people that are saying what's happening here is fake. Um, I mean, I will get into what I saw today, but the dead bodies I saw in the marketplace today are very, very real. Um, this is not uh, this is not theater. And it's actually, frankly, quite insulting to the people who've been living under eight years of Ukrainian bombing to the utter silence of the complicit Western media. You know, in, in addition, the hypocrisy of of the West, you know, claiming uh, Ukraine to be this democratic and, um, you know, wonderful nation that we should all adhere to, you know, support. And I'm, this is not nothing, of course, against Ukrainian civilians. I'm talking about the right. Ukraine, Ukrainian regime in, in power that has been waging war on the people of Donbass for years, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's insulting to imply that this is just uh, political theater. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and- I, as you know, Ryan, I was here in 2019. And at that time, uh, I went to an area I, I do plan on going back to uh, north of Donetsk, uh, Gorlovka, and um, villages around that city uh, were being shelled on a daily, nightly basis. Um, and uh, we might get into this a little bit later, but, you know, the, the monitoring bodies that's supposed to um, monitor whether or not either side violates the, the ceasefire, the, the Minsk Accords, uh, was not doing its job, according to various people I spoke with. Um, and, you know, these people were being terrorized, literally terror- terrorized by the Ukrainian shelling with heavy weaponry uh, on a routine basis. 
Right. And and this has been documented. That's the frustrated, frustrating part about that is you can look at Wikipedia for crying out loud. And it says right on there that they claim they've killed 14,000 people on just the one side. And it cites the Ukrainian military. So as much as that gets dismissed as fake news currently, it just shows you this breakdown of logic and truth and reality as you can show their cited material. And yet the mainstream Western press says it's fake news. It's just really controlled topic. And I think we all kind of feel that coming out of the COVID-19 art you know, discussion. We're watching these things kind of devolve into, well, I mean, as I think you even pointed out, just now the Western media, the governments aren't even saying we're censoring because it's, they're just simply saying it challenges the narrative. Therefore we can't allow it, which is pulling the mask off. Right. So that's kind of what I think your work has been so important in exposing. So let's talk about the mass graves conversation and how you recently went and you're there currently on the ground in Ukraine and what you actually saw at the location they were discussing. And I'll bring up some points after you, if you discuss what you saw there in regard to Mariupol and the mass graves, supposedly, and the civilians buried there. Yeah, so I um, I came to the Donbass uh, again on my own. Um, I'm uh, actually the reason I have this strange uh, background is that the small flat I'm renting uh, has no internet today for whatever reason. So I came to this hotel. But anyway, I did join RT journalist Roman Kosarev uh, because number one, I don't speak Russian, unfortunately, um, and he speaks English very well. And also, he had a vehicle, and for me to go there, which I could do on my own, I do have military accreditation. It would have cost me 150 or 200 dollars. And, you know, I'm, I'm on a shoestring. So it was advantageous to go with Roman, uh, particularly given the language deficit on my part. So we went to the village of Mangush, which is, I believe it's 12 miles. Uh, I might be wrong with that distance. But anyway, it's west of Mariupol. And um, what what uh, corporate media have been alleging is that there is a mass grave or mass graves um, with up to 9,000 bodies thrown into pits. This is the kind of language they've been using. They've been citing the exiled mayor of Mariupol, I don't know where this man is, as, as saying this is the greatest war crime of the 21st century. I mean, that's pretty darn preposterous, right. given what we know about the U.S. invasion and destruction of Iraq, the U.S. destruction of many areas of Syria, including notably Raqqa, mm-hmm. uh, and you know all the other war crimes, Israel's routine bombing of Gaza every few years, uh, including two times when I was there in 2009, 2012, but also notably 2014, the widespread destruction and leveling of entire neighborhoods that Israel or, uh, did to Gaza. Or currently bombing Raqqa, or excuse me, Damascus right now, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's over the last couple of days, it's currently happening. So please continue. Yeah, you know, as our colleague Kevor Elmasian noted on Twitter yesterday, I think it was, maybe today, um, maybe we should change some uh, Syrian cities to Kiev and Lviv and other uh, Ukrainian names in order to get the outrage and indignation and virtue signaling that uh, anything to do with Ukraine is. And, and by the way, this is, again, not to dismiss any loss of life that might be taking uh, occurring in Ukrainian cities. But there is a lot of disinformation out there, which brings us back to this mass grave. So uh, basically, uh, another advantage of being with uh, Roman and his two cameramen, um, we weren't militarily escorted or anything, by the way. Um, was that one of them had a drone, and so this he was able to get the drone aerial footage, uh, which you know the fancy Washington Post put out these fancy satellite images alleging this was a mass grave. So we'll he, we, he, was, he was able to compare, you know, what they're alleging is mass grave with with what the footage they got. Mm-hmm. What we saw on the ground was, as I've said in the video I put out in an op-ed that just came out, I just wrote and it came out in RT today, was that what we saw was um, orderly rows. Uh, at the beginning, it was like five rows of freshly dug graves. How fresh, I can't say. 
Um, and it extended for about like 23 graves of five rows. So that's an estimated 115 or so. And then the next plot had roughly the same number. But then notably, the next couple of plots had like two empty rows, the next one, one empty row. So I estimated just under 100 empty graves. So in a total of at most maybe 400 graves in that plot, there was an existing cemetery, but I'm talking about the new ones mm -hmm. where the satellite images are focusing in on. There were maybe 400 graves of those, maybe roughly 100 empty. And the rest were, as I've said, orderly. Um, some of the graves had markings denoting the person's name and date of birth. Others had numbers. But the really interesting thing was, as we were there, um, two men responsible for digging and burying, digging the graves and burying the dead, uh, arrived. And they were burying someone else. And when they finished, we were able to speak with them. And we presented the Western claims of specifically 30-meter-wide trenches, people, bodies being thrown into pits. And I think your viewers... Uh, would agree that the term mass grave implies bodies on top of one another in a pit, you know, and that's not what we saw. And these men, uh, they were both very offended by the claims and they said, no, we buried each person carefully with dignity. And they even noted there was a plot where uh, at the end uh, of, of the like rows of uh, graves where Ukrainian soldiers were buried in coffins individually. So they utterly refuted us. Now, I know, you know, back to your first question, when you said, why is this that people are confused or, or maybe think what's happening in the Donbass's theater or whatever? It's because anytime someone like me goes to a place like that, sees with my own eyes and takes images with my own video, by virtue of the fact that I contribute one op-ed a month to RT, which I'm not sure if people are aware, does not pay much. I put in far more money than a, in going to places like this than I ever earn from one op-ed a month. But by virtue of that fact, people don't take uh, what I say or what Roman, who's an excellent journalist, he's been covering this, this war on the Donbass for eight years, its, it's entirety, they don't take uh, th those words as credible. And, right. you know, everything to do with Russia has been vilified. But uh, I have, I've always maintained that what I say, whether or not I could write for RT or if I'm just blogging or writing on Facebook or my Telegram channel, I'm going to say the same thing. Right. The difference is RT has given me at least a platform to say what I'm going to say. Exactly. But, you know, it's, it's really disgusting that we've gotten to the point in this world where anything to do with Russia is labeled like this state-controlled, Russian state-controlled on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, but we don't apply these same standards to the state-controlled BBC, CBC, etc. So, uh, and, and, and the other thing is, you know, we can get into this in a moment, but media, uh, they're reporting from abroad, and they always do this thing, and they did it in Syria, they always do this thing where somewhere in the middle of the report, they'll say, well, you know, we can't independently confirm or verify this. But, you know, after the screaming headline and the allegations of the genocide and the worst massacre of the 21st century, um, you know, people don't read the whole, the little um, caveat. And right. so, and they know that. It's intentional. Yeah, I call them title skimmers. I mean, that's what that's what they bank on. You know, it's it's the people that want to maybe just look at the first paragraph. That's why they bury it. And, you know, it, oh, by the way, we can't confirm anything we're telling you as fact at the top. But before we go back, I want to go through your video and some of the information around those graves. Sure. But you bring up an interesting point that I think is anybody out there, and, and rightly so, 
being skeptical, right? No one here, uh, I, not even not myself, is asking you to blindly trust us. We're asking you to consider the facts that are being reported and do your due diligence. That's it, right? And this is what's so frustrating about this childish, juvenile dynamic that we have today, where people are clearly choosing a political side because they just they either invested in it or they believe that's what they're supposed to do. And, and it's just childish because we're not looking at facts here, right? So mm-hmm. bottom line is, sure, you want to pretend that it, it and, and, and it's a valid point, though she contributes op-eds to RT or anything else we discuss, or I've interviewed people, or I've been interviewed on Sputnik, let's say, in the past. You should consider those points. But the bottom line is what she's producing, what we're discussing, are things you can verify for yourself. You can compare it with what people from Mary Upal are saying on the way out in the thousands of videos you're seeing. And compare it to the other side where you get anonymous one names with people not showing their faces. And, you know, this kind of, it's the contrast. And that's really all that we're really trying to get at here. And so I'm glad that you made that discussion and that disclaimer, because it really doesn't matter. I mean, look, you shouldn't have to to differentiate like it's a good thing you're being paid for your work wherever that is and the reality that you can't get paid or can't get people to even look at or publish work on the other side of the argument or the multiple other sides of controlled western media it does it's as if they're trying to suggest that you went out of your way to only go to one place and this this paints the picture (laughs) of the inherently dishonest reporting that you just described right it's you know uh, if i can uh just draw an example i've given before i don't know necessarily i've given it to you but i've certainly cited it in articles i've written um um uh, a a canadian journalist uh junit khan attended a talk i gave in montreal in um uh, i think it was january 2017 uh and it was that would have been like after i'd come back from aleppo before it was liberated but you know at a time when it was being bombed intensively by terrorists which the western media was dubbing rebels anyway i gave a lecture in montreal and i talked at length about what i'd seen at that time it was four visits to aleppo and the bombing and like the nearly 11,000 civilians civilians alone that had been killed not including military by these terrorist bombings and two, uh, two journalists with, uh, one was with Radio Canada, the other was with La Presse, attended my lecture specifically with the intent of getting a soundbite, getting an awful photo of me to make me look like demonic, which they succeeded in, and then writing a smear piece on me, uh, which I rebu- uh, issued a lengthy rebuttal to. It was so full of holes, it was ridiculous. But um, after that, this, this man, Junid, came up to me and said, hey, Eva, I want to tell you something. He said, I was in Iraq when the U.S. forces invaded. And I was working for La Presse at the time. And the woman who just interviewed you was my editor. And he said, I wrote a, I think it was 400, uh, sorry, 1400 word uh, article talking about how, what Iraqis really felt about the invasion of their country and the toppling of Saddam Hussein. And he said, she cut it down to like three or 400 words and completely changed the tone. He said he's never experienced such, such censorship in his life. So there's an example of a journalist on the ground writing for a publication and his whole entire uh, article being distorted. And right. so back to what we're saying, like, even if I could, not that I would want to add any sort of legitimacy to CBC or other Canadian corporate media, even if I could, they would distort my words. Right. There's another example I can give briefly, and that is um, a journalist, Ali Hashem, who used to work for Al Jazeera. And uh, at the beginning of the, the war on Syria in around April and May, he saw armed men entering Syria from Lebanon and he got footage in May. And he wanted to air it on Al Jazeera. And they said, forget that you saw armed men and they wouldn't air it. So he quit. So, right. I mean, there's countless examples like this. Yeah. I mean, if anybody just this again, it speaks to due diligence, discernment. If you just simply take the time to look into anybody, I mean, I mean, almost anybody who actually breaks away from Western corporate media, 
you'll hear what they say. I reference Alison Morrow since she's the most recent person in my mind who I connected with after she broke off. She runs a channel on, on Rockfin now and, you know, and has been openly telling you and even showing her colleagues that are saying the same thing quietly from within. You know, like we're not allowed to say what we want. If we bring any kind of challenge to the narrative, even with facts to back it up, they push it away. They hide it. I mean, this is just reality. And I think even people invested in this dynamic know that and again they're just advent it's advantageous for them to stay with it but we could talk about this forever i'm really i mean from a like a mental sort of like psychological standpoint it really interests me but i want to come back to your point about the the facts because that's really what this really is about and and the on the ground information here to reference your video which i'm going to play a clip from in a moment there's just the 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 image that i think really encapsulates what's going on there that he's going oh that's completely wrong it's not bs right but so what's interesting is I want your take on a couple of things. First of all, here's your fantastic blog. I'm going to include all this in the show notes for everybody to check Thank out. Thank you. I appreciate really great that. Stuff. Yeah, from all the way back from Gaza to Syria. I mean, the name is from where it began, but there's so much good information here. Western claims of Russian mass graves near Mariupol and other fake news hoax. I know. I went to see it for myself. I mean, that's the point that just stands out for me. You don't get that as much as you outside of the kind of embedded with. I mean, that's what's interesting is they always frame you as being embedded with certain people, except then the even if that is a fair point, in contrast, you would argue, which I don't think it is, that they're always embedded with the obvious extremists, which you can verifiably prove are that, which is interesting to me. But here's what we're seeing. Russian forces accused of secret burials of Mariupol citizens in mass graves, Mayor says, which my first point is, it's amazing that we're literally running on people. I mean, even if it's people that you don't have information to challenge as if, you know, the mayor being involved with the neo-Nazis on the ground, but just an average mayor on a side of the war, why do they just take at face value what they're saying, first of all, right? I mean, it blows me away that we're at a point where it amounts to Ukraine says, and that's your first point that within this, you'll find that they really can't confirm it other than Maxar Technologies, yeah. right? Do you have a comment on that before we go to the fact that CNN already admitted that you're right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, so the point is that at the end of the day, it's all Ukraine information, right? That's all that's coming yeah. out. Ukraine says, I mean, Ukraine says. And, then, and that's uh, that's precisely how it was in Syria, too. You know, right. again, exactly. in, in, when they when they had New York Times, for example, had an article where they had media activists. They had, you know, their favorite uh, sources were sources, unnamed sources right. or media activists. And I, I remember one article, I think it was on Eastern Ghouta, um, and they had like three different sources. One was a cameraman, two were, I, I might be misremembering, but one was a media activist, one was a camera person, and I don't remember the other. And uh, I took like two minutes, if I, maybe five minutes, whatever. I took some minutes to find their names on Facebook and find their allegiances to ISIS and Al-Qaeda. So right. thereby <laughs> rendering them not neutral sources. And I, I do not believe for a moment that the New York Times were not aware of their sources. I, I believe that they were just hoping people wouldn't find out their sources were terrorist um, uh, lovers, let's say. And here's an interesting point to insert right there. Now, first of all, the reason that's incredibly valid is because even the other side, you know, the West, the U.S. government would argue that Al-Qaeda, ISIS are bad guy terrorists, which I mean, is pretty ubiquitous. But, but nonetheless, are they're still embedding with them. So that's valid either way. But to insert a pretty radical point, because you could argue, well, OK, so that's still a side. We should still consider what's being put forward to make that point in contrast to what you're doing. But the bottom line is it's very compromised because the other side even considers them a terrorist organization. But within that, you're still taking one side of an argument, which is the same point. And saying, here's what they say, that means fact. And nobody within this on our side of it's going to re- say that that makes sense from which either side it comes from. I mean, this is just basic, basic tenets of journalism, objectivity, right? And so that's why this is so frustrating 
and almost juvenile that they're just leaning into this. But what I found very interesting is so you play you you talk to the people on the ground. And then right after you expose this story, here comes CNN stepping into the picture, or rather Portugal CNN, which is not being broadcast by CNN as far as I can tell. And literally within their article now confirms what you just said yesterday, where it says we were, we were when we arrived at the cemetery, we did not find mass graves, contrary to what the former mayor of Mariupol denounced, supported by satellite images. Now, I just can't get past how important this statement is because they just basically argued that Maxar Technologies lied about what they saw. Right. Yeah. I mean, what, what's your take right. on that? Well, I mean, I, I hadn't really seen that. I'd seen because I've been out all day. And I, mm-hmm. as I mentioned at the beginning, I didn't have Internet at home or on my phone today. Um, but I was aware uh, via a, a Telegram channel that CNN had published this. I didn't read this. So um, I don't know. I mean, my take is that CNN trying to claim some sort of credibility now that I mean, what would be interesting would be to go through CNN's archives and see, did they push the original hoax? Because all of the media was doing it as they as they always do, they always just you know essentially copy paste the same statements uh, and with with screaming headlines about genocide. So uh, when I have time, I would like to do that and see what was CNN saying before. Yeah, well, most definitely, I can confirm that they were definitely towing the line for sure. At the very least, reporting that Ukraine said this, which is the same thing, right? At the end of the day, if you're pushing the narrative with nothing to back it up, but what they said on the ground, it's pretty obvious. Now. Do you remember, do you remember in uh, March, I think it was March 2019, um, when when the West was uh, engineering or trying to engineer chaos in Venezuela, beginning with a, 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 a manufactured power outage? Mm-hmm. And uh, there was the issue of alleged food aid coming from Colombia into Venezuela. And, uh, you know, there are various journalists, Teleser journalists were there on, on this bridge where food aid trucks were alleged to be attacked by Venezuelan forces. And it was like big bad Venezuela doesn't even allow food aid in. Mm-hmm. Venezuela was like, no, we allow it in just through the proper channels, you know. And anyway, then uh, Ahmed Cabello was there on the ground for press TV. And he was like, I saw inside those trucks and they had razor wires and nails and other things. New York Times originally pushed the big bad Venezuela attack food aid trucks and then later retracted when there were multiple sources saying, actually, no, this is not what happened. The attacks came from the Colombian side. So this is another example, like them pushing the the hoax. And then when it's been proven to be a hoax, okay, well, then we're going to try to claw back some credibility by now reporting what's widely known. Right, very quietly on a on a, a different language version of the site where no one's going to pay attention. Like it's, it's very obvious how they're trying to play this. And I, Pete, and our audience is well aware. I, I was almost going to try to grab it real quick, but I'm not. I don't know where to find the title. But we covered that extensively. That you had live video of the Colombian side of this building, and these are Guaido forces at this point, at least you know U.S. backed yeah. entities that were building the Molotov cocktails. You watched them doing it on their side and the throwing it. And then even as you had that video, they were still pushing the other side of the narrative. I mean, this is. This is why I argue that most people who aren't invested in one side or the other of the illusion or politically so are aware of this. I think most people can see that these people aren't to be trusted. That's my opinion. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's wishful thinking, but what else are we going to do these days? I think it's clear there's plenty of evidence. So I'd like to play the clip of your video really quickly before we go forward. I just wanted to get right to the point of how obvious it is that right now CNN is quietly challenging the very narrative that still is being pushed today by the entirety of Western media. I think it's embarrassing, but here's the video. No, and by the way, you, so basically the first part of this video was what you were discussing, how you can see the different plots, the different, the different names, the dates, you know, which 
right out of the gate challenges the argument. And we don't shouldn't even have to explain what a mass grave is. Everybody's very aware what they're implying, that they just dump yeah. them in a big hole together because they don't care about them. But here's what the people said, which we referenced, but I just want to play it really quickly for everyone to see. The two men responsible for burying the dead arrive. The podcast, it basically just says that it's fake, but I'll let the people see it for those watching. I'm glad you said that. This is one thing I keep drilling down on. And, and, and you get the occasional in, information like this, but then it turns out the evidence they're pointing to, the person works for USAID or something, which I've already proven in Mariupol. But these people, like Ava's reporting here, you can do your due diligence. You get their names, you get backgrounds, you get information, you have a location. There's more than enough, especially from the Western media side with all of their resources to be able to actually dig down on this. Not after Eva blows up the story, right? To make it look like, <laughs> but before you report it, do your due diligence, you know, like journalism yeah. is supposed to be. But I just love that point because you'll find that contrast. You'll find endless reporting from people like Emma Bartlett, from Patrick Lancaster, from plenty of others out there that continue to give you all the information you need to check it. You know, I just find it's a very good point because that's not what you're getting from the other side. Now, I'm, I'll just jump to the next one where she asked him about the, the actual narrative of the Western media. What западные СМИ сейчас про это место говорят, что здесь они говорят, у нас есть снимки со спутника. Здесь ямы 30 на 40 метров, куда российская армия сбрасывает трупы мариупольцев. Вот вот я вам сейчас доставил новость. Что вы про это думаете? Это все бред. It's a, it, that's BS. It fakes. The other guy's smiling while he's even saying it, right? So now, you know, as always, show discernment, question this, who knows, right? But at the end of the day, does this align with the endless amount of videos we're seeing from people coming out of the area? Does it align with the background we know about the Azov movement and the right sector and Svoboda and the, you know, that's what I'm trying to get people to recognize is we should question everything. That's my motto. But well, yeah. And if I may, um, mm -hmm. uh, the point, I can't remember if I put it in my video. I know I was making this point to Roman when we were walking around, just like, you know, Clearly, there are, there are graves here. Clearly, right. there are recent graves. Um, and I did, I think I did in the video make the point that the most that had the date of birth uh, were elderly, uh, in, born in the 40s, 50s, 60s. We don't know how they died. They, they could have died of war. They could have died of natural death. They could have died of point-blank execution by the Azov. We don't know. Right. But that's the point. This is not a mass grave, and we don't know the cause of death. Well, that, that's the interesting part about this. Like, okay, you could even say, okay, well, could they have died from the other side? Could they have made this to make it look like it wasn't? Sure, all this is possible, but we need facts and evidence to back up these any allegation, which is not happening from plenty of sides today. The point is ultimately that what did they say? They said mass grave. So even if you want to pretend that there's something else that happened, you can't just skip over the fact that they've already been caught lying. That's what keeps happening is this kind of equivocation and mental gymnastics where they say that's fake and then you prove it's not. And they're like, but well, here's, the, and they, you know, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> We just proved it was fake. You can't just jump over that and try to continue to explain your point, right? And as he says here, also members of the Ukrainian military. So just everything about this has been shown to be false. Again, just going back to the part of, for those that want to still try to challenge it, even CNN has now quietly stepped in to go, yep, we're there too, which again, they should have done before they reported on the story and saying that there are not mass graves and that the Maxar Technologies satellite imagery are either lying or, or incorrect. So I want, to, I want to wonder your thoughts on this. 
I made a big point about this when I realized that Maxar Technologies, as far as I can tell, is pretty much a CIA cutout. And right now on their board, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, Louis Gilman is currently, or at least was one of the board of directors, but currently is on the board, uh, or was the board of directors, and now, uh, excuse me, I keep saying that incorrectly, was the uh, director on the board of directors, but it was and is a president of InQtel, the capital fund for CIA, as well as commissioner on the National Security Commission for Artificial Intelligence. And there's plenty more that I've gone in depth on to find the obvious crossovers between CIA. And I just think it's interesting that now they're being exposed twice because in Bucha, it was already shown that their satellites weren't even in location to be able to take the pictures the time they said they did. So I kind of wanted your thoughts on, I know I'm just kind of throwing this at you, but your thoughts on how this works with foreign policy and how it always seems to rely on these distant satellite images that we just kind of go, is that what it shows? And they, they tell you what you're supposed to see. And now they're being exposed as either lying or incorrect. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's really interesting what you're saying about uh, Maxar and Butch. I didn't know that, but I mean, if you look at the, for example, the Washington post has the, um, the images of the, the satellite images showing like before and after, mm-hmm. if you look carefully, you see what I've filmed, you see <laughs> mountains and rows and, and if they had zoomed, in, which I'm quite sure they had the capability of zooming in, they would have shown the empty graves, but that mm-hmm. didn't fit the narrative. What fits in, what what they showed and what they implied is that like all this uh, new activity has happened and that therefore equates a mass grave, but it doesn't equate a mass grave. It equates an existing cemetery expanding in a time of war. Right. You know, so right. it's, it's, but the thing is, uh, people, again, the combination of the screaming headline, the mayor of Mariupol, who's nowhere to be found, uh, claiming genocide and the worst crime of the 21st century. He actually, by the way, he actually compared it to, uh, World War II and the extermination of 33,000 Jews. And, right. uh, you know, this is like, uh, supremely ironic because he's whitewashing the, the Nazis in Azov, in his former city, by, I mean, I don't know what his position on them is, but clearly it's probably going to be like the Western media's position. Oh, they don't exist. So he's whitewashing their assassinations of civilians. He's whitewashing, they're using civilians as human shields. He's whitewashing their uh, militarization of apartment buildings, you know, which led to those apartment buildings being fired on. Right. And and then he's um, he's grossly exaggerating the number. Again, what I saw was at best 400 graves, 100 of those, at least nearly 100, sorry, empty. He's he, the media is whitewashed or sorry exaggerated up up to nine thousand, and then by comparing it to you know the the, the deaths of thirty three thousand, that's even more of a whitewash. It's ridiculous. Well, I think I think my opinion is, and I've done plenty of background research on why this is clearly at least a CIA agenda by the U.S. government, but that they're trying to create the narrative to where it's the exact inverse. Now, I think anybody honest yes, can realize yes. that there are white supremacy, neo-Nazi, people with extreme ideologies in any country anywhere in the world, right? That's just the reality of human species. But the the problem is that they that they make it out to be like Putin, Putin Nazis is what we keep seeing. And it's just so in, in, inherently dishonest about what we're currently seeing. I think there's more of an agenda to create the narrative that this is because of Russia in some way. Yeah. But you know, I'm glad to let this play out. I keep kind of pushing that narrative because that's what I see coming. But I think it's really interesting to see how this has been built. And I can well, it, that it's, later it's not only extremely dishonest, it's, it's extremely insulting to Russians right. who lost, you know, what is it, and, 26, 27 million 
in 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 World War Two yeah. two, two Nazis and, or, and, to the and Ukrainians too, by the way, right? The Ukrainian civilians on the ground that are getting Absolutely. misrepresented as the entirety of them, and this is the same thing we see in Israel or anywhere else. Where I think there's an obvious, even in Ukraine specifically, you can see these football stadiums full of people, you know, they're chanting certain things. And, you know, so there's obviously been an eight year plus agenda to influence the minds of people on the ground, but that's still not every single Ukrainian. So it's the same kind of thing. It's this always dynamic where they're trying to misrepresent the, the reality, but there is a part of it. People are being radicalized, but it's not by the people you think, in my opinion, right? They're trying to frame that in the other way. I think it's the governments just as always using the people like they did in Syria. And yeah, I think your expression inverse of reality is is the perfect expression to describe how corporate media functions. Again, um, you know, Ryan, I've been going to Syria since 2014. I think it's like 15 times, including last year. And every time there was a story, uh, you know, in corporate media, it was the inverse of reality. Like when Aleppo was liberated of Al-Qaeda forces, the media was saying Aleppo fell, you know, and like... The average consumer of media in the West has perhaps a, 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 precisely due to this misreporting, they have no idea that normal Syrian civilians couldn't walk freely in the streets when right. Al-Qaeda and other rebels were in charge of the city. Um, and when Aleppo fell, suddenly women could walk dressed as they please, sit at cafes, and people could walk freely without fear of being sniped or bombed or point blank executed by these terrorists. And like in every single, there's so many examples we could talk for hours about how media reported the inverse of reality. Even Duma, like chemical hoax story aside, uh, when I went to Duma some weeks after the alleged uh, chemical hoax uh, or the chemical attack, uh, the hoax, uh, you know, most people I met, and as you know, I speak local Arabic, so I was speaking with them one-on-one. Most I met were like, what are you talking about, chemical? We want to tell you how they starved us and how they right. imprisoned us and how they executed people in public squares. You Sounds know, pretty familiar to what we're hearing in Ukraine right now, doesn't it? And and the other point I would make is, you know, I know you've uh, it, um, interviewed Vanessa Beely at length, and she's done by far the most in-depth work on the white helmets. But even they themselves are an inverse of reality. You know, they've right. they've taken over the role of the real Syrian civil defense. And, you know, I worked with medics in Gaza under the bombs. And um, exactly what happened to them, the white helmets has taken their history, their stories under Israeli bombs, and made it into their own story, but it's a, it's a complete fake, you know. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't need to get into the White Helms too much right now, but it's just so many examples of inverse of reality, and it's it's maddening when you're actually in a place seeing what's happening and then seeing how it's being misreported 180 degrees opposite in the media. Yeah, yeah. I was actually just trying to find a you know, something you recently posted. If I can't find it real quick, I'm just going to go past it. But there was a recent reference you made to your work in Syria and how you showed, and specifically to the White Helmets, how you showed a contrast to the image that was used by the actual civil uh, is civil defense Saying I'm, I'm conflating all these different the real the real white helmets, whatever the original name was. The real Syrian civil defense, yeah. Civil defense, okay, correct. And, and compared it to an image that was used later by the false white helmets. A couple days later, of them rescuing a child and used it as the inverse of the reality. It's just it's it's so interesting how this is such a common tactic, and it's easy to prove. And it just comes back to people choosing their political investment. You know, uh, choosing to say that I'm going to. I won't, I shouldn't agree with this because I'm not supposed to, you know, it's very frustrating. This keeps happening, but anyway, I can't seem to find it. I'll include it after we, we uh, do the show notes after the fact, 
But I want to come back to this clip right here. But by the way, the white helmets are such an obvious crossover to all of this. It's the same idea, right? You're, you're, you're basically hijacking a, a group, pretending to be this group, and then utilizing it to carry out. I mean, what's happening in U- Ukraine right now, the government is not the Ukrainian government, are not the Ukrainian people. It's the same concept. It's a cutout, right? But to this, this clip here, or this, this uh, Guardian article, this is the same one we just referenced, Russian forces accused, which means they don't know, of what happened here. <laughs> And by the way, saying newly released satellite images, which, by the way, CNN seemingly just admitted aren't accurate, which is a huge point to make. But it says the mayor who you're referencing said Russian trucks had collected corpses from the streets of the port city and had transported them to the nearby village of Manhush. They were then secretly thrown into mass graves in a field next to the settlement. So, are, so again, this has been apparently CNN is now. And by the way, you have exposed. But I'm just pointing to CNN for those that need to see that to make for them to like make it connect, which is ridiculous. They're cl- they're showing you that that's not true, right? So here they are citing what somebody said, and he's caught lying. That's the mayor that they keep citing as absolute fact with no due diligence. He's now lying, as you know from Yuba's work. Then it goes on to say the U.S. company Maxar Technologies released images of what appeared to be the mass graves. So we just went over this, right? So I just want us to see that they're using this mass grave push, which brings me to my next point, into another area which we just discussed, Bucha. So let's all be clear. It's very clear and exposed by Eva's work alone, but the fact that they're now coming along to admit it, that Mariupol's mass graves are lies. Here's Bucha, or the argument of Bucha. This is an article from April 4th where the mayor, again— but it's a different mayor, Anatoly Fedruk, says, quote, in Bucha, we have already buried 280 people in mass graves, right? And this is quoted elsewhere. So he admits that they moved these people into mass graves. My first point was, isn't that pretty disgusting that these are your people and you control the area and you're just dumping them in mass graves? I mean, I think you want to comment on that. I find that pretty telling, personally. But then going into the next article, this is the Wall Street Journal. Ukraine brings first war crimes charges against Russian soldiers in Bucha. This is from April 28th, today. Here's what it says. In late March, after the Russian military retreated, which I don't think is a fair representation of what happened, Ukrainian authority, authorities said they discovered more than 400 dead civilians. Their bodies packed into mass graves and left spray in the streets and sidewalks many with bullet wounds and some with their wrists bound behind their backs. Basically, they're now using this to say that Russian troops did this to them and tortured them and put them in the grave. So your thoughts on the obvious contrast between what's being reported and what ultimately ends up being stated about the reality. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that report, but I mean, when you're reading it and you're, you're talking about people's arms being tied behind their back and being executed, that is precisely the style of the Azov and other Nazi battalions. You mentioned Patrick Lancaster earlier. Um, I know he did an interview in Mariupol. Uh, he did a video, sorry, in Mariupol where he's talking about having, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, he saw one of these... What, I think it was a a woman he saw that had been bound uh, her hands behind her back and executed. Roman Kosser of the journalist I was with at the uh, cemetery, not the mass grave. um, He also talked about in 2014 or 15 in areas where the Azov or IDAR retreated from, they found mass graves. And he also talked about this execution style. Um, I was in Lugansk a few weeks ago. I joined for a very brief two-day trip, a media delegation, including corporate media journalists from two mainstream French television networks. So again, I make that point to, to point out that Russia is, in, is not restricting access to media. They're trying to get journalists to come here. I think it's naive. I think it's in vain because the journalists are not going to report honestly, but I see why they're doing it. So they can say, well, we've given them access at least. Right. Um, what was my point? Uh, 
oh yeah, we, we went to Lugansk and there we met a woman, Anna, I, I forget her last name, but she was detailing Ukraine's war crimes, you know, including these mass graves. There's a wonderful journalist, George Eliasson, based in the Lugansk region. And uh, he himself uh, has written extensively about this issue of, of Ukrainian mass graves of executed civilians executed by Ukrainian forces. So um, again, we're talking about this inversion of reality uh, of how people are executed. It's, it's consistently been the style of Ukrainian and, and Azov and other Nazi brigades. Um, and the fact that if there are mass graves, it's been Ukraine who's been doing them. I mean, I, I'm open to seeing evidence of Russia doing it, but I, I don't believe it. I, don't, I haven't seen any compelling evidence. And, and the other thing... The other thing that um, someone made a very good point, like, you know, these regions, we're talking about Mariupol, these are ethnic Russians. These, why would Russia want to be killing its own people, you know? Right. I mean, um, but, you know, you don't even have to ask that question. Mainstream media won't ask that question because they've already depicted uh, President Putin as a maniac, right? Just like they did President Assad. Right. Um, and therefore, you don't need to apply any logical questions, just like... Right. When, whenever they uh, accused Assyria of, of launching a chemical attack against its people, it made absolutely no sense, precisely for the reasons that they knew that would brought, bring the wrath of the West upon them, since Obama made his red line speech. And it was always when Syria was winning by conventional army methods, right? So it just made no sense, but didn't need to make sense because the West had been convinced that the respective leadership are absolutely insane. It's the same thing we're seeing now. I mean, and again, you should consider all possibilities. Nobody's telling you not to, but the evidence matters. And at the end of the day, we've already seen their narratives explode one after the other from off Guardian exposing all the different lies they've continued to float about the ghost of Kiev or whatever else that are 100% verifiably false. And even the Western press has pointed this out. So the mass graves now on the same point, it just keeps jumping from one lie to the next. And as you pointed out, it's the same thing we've been seeing over and over and over throughout history. I mean, you can go back to Iraq, you can go back anywhere. They, it's it's yeah. incredible that we keep allowing these lies to continue. And I again go back to the same point that I actually don't believe that most people are. I think that they're just desperately pushing out the false false majority because they need to, people to believe that they have that investment. And it could be true. But at the end of the day, the evidence is pretty clear. And it's become so childish now where it just becomes ignoring evidence because that's the bad guy side or whatever with no right, evidence right, to point right. out that it flies. It's exactly. really juvenile. Yeah. <clears throat> so I wanted to point out again the idea of what they're saying. You're talking to people. Patrick's talking to people. Plenty of people are getting real world evidence, which of course could be fake, but the evidence is a lot and, and, and ongoing <laughs> compared to stuff like this, where it simply says Russian troops held them captive, denied them food, says people on the ground. It's like, okay, well, where is the evidence? I mean, this all hinges on the credibility of the Wall Street Journal, which I don't find to be that credible these days or any of the Western press. But taking that point into the next argument, here's what they report today. As it says, or excuse me, 23rd, this is the one before of it, Russian officer accused of Bucha killings promoted to colonel. I just want to make a point about what it says here. It says the UK on Thursday said it was imposing new sanctions on what it called key leaders in Russian army, Russian's army, targeting those commanding the front line to commit these heinous acts. They included the commanding officer of the Russian military unit that occupied Bucha, who identified as this person here, Lieutenant Colonel Amar, Amar you, maybe you could pronounce it better than me. Hundreds of people were found dead in Bucha, as it says, after Russian forces withdrew. And it says, including some with their hands tied, Russia's denied the allegations. The point is that they're casting sanctions on people after something that they have not verified. I just want you, I mean, it's incredible that they're sanctioning them as even they admit this is simply what they were told. 
I just yeah. think that's an incredible reality to recognize they haven't independently verified anything. They admit that as the UK government, but yet say they're already casting sanctions. I think it's a really yeah. quick insight into how they don't even need facts and data. Right. Well, you remember uh, when they went again with reference to Syria on the the Duma chemical hoax. You remember how um, the Trump administration bombed Syria before they even had sent weapons inspectors to the site in question. You know, and they they bombed. I forget the regions now. I think one was Homs. One was the one was in Damascus, in a residential area of Damascus, and I forget the other site. But but that was before they even. had sent inspectors to the site in question. So like you said, they don't even need evidence. You know, um, I wrote an article. I don't know that I have it open. Anyway, I'll, I'll send you the link if you want. But I, I wrote an article, I think it was in 2020, um, and it was about how the UN was accusing Russia of war crimes in Syria. And I think I titled it something like, based on, you know, UN says so or something. But the, the whole premise is, you know, sources say, independent sources, we could not verify this. Our sources outside of Syria say it's, it's always like this, you know. Right. Because um, we and, know Putin's playbook, therefore we know. Sorry, What's that? I'm just making a joke because we know Putin's playbook. Therefore, we can just assume right over with no evidence. That's where we are. Yeah, today. And it, it really is treating the public as complete idiots, uh, right. which I hope offends some people. <laughs> sure it does. But so it's it's just it's obvious that this is being kind of I mean, they're challenging their own narrative with their own reporting. That's what I find so interesting. I mean, even as I pointed out in a previous show that one of the mayors earlier had already claimed that they've started to burn the bodies. It just doesn't even make sense. So now you so you buried them or you found them and you're burning them. And it's uh, no investigation. Did they even exist in the first place? And it's, right. I'm not saying we can know. I don't know. But the point is neither do you or anybody else out there. We're simply taking the narrative of people we'll finish off here with that I think are obviously dangerous characters. But the last point on the mass graves, Guardian just came out with an interesting article that seems to directly challenge what even they're reporting from the ground right now, which was <laughs> the same point that saying that they're shot in the head, bound, hands bound. But here they are right now arguing, well, wait a minute, they were killed by metal darts, which is interesting because that directly challenges what they said happened, first of all, that they were executed, shot in the head. But then it also challenges the whole narrative about were these, were they shelling? Because on the ground, you can prove that Ukraine and Russia were both fighting in this area. But on the video, you can see only one of them pretty indiscriminately shelling the area, which we later know there were civilians in these houses. I mean, you can prove all this stuff. So they were firing the shells. The question comes down to who was using the old 1970s Soviet Soviet era coster bombs with flashes. I want your thoughts first before I go to the next point. Well, I'm, I'm going to defer to uh, Brian Berlitic, who was formerly known as Tony Cartolucci, land destroyer. Um, he put out on his Telegram channel a video um, looking at this particular issue. Now, I forget all the points he made, but he's basically arguing that it is the Ukrainian army that uses the, the dark bombs, the flechette bombs. And so, but I found it interesting. I wasn't aware because, again, I'm a bit in, in a bit of a haze because I don't have a lot of Internet access. So I wasn't aware of, of the Guardian's initial story. And, and it's latest one contrasting its initial one. And that's that's really worth hammering home because I have to imagine in their original report where they insisted it was hands bound and point blank executions that they asserted that this was the truth and nothing but the truth. Right. right and now, right. like you're saying, they're contradicting themselves. So that that alone should make people pause and say, like, well, how can we believe you now if you were so sure before and now it turns out your your story's changed yeah. but yeah i would um i would encourage people to look at uh brian berlitic i think that's his proper uh pronunciation of his last name a uh, video on on 
basically arguing that it's Ukrainian forces that have possession of these dart bombs. Yeah. Um, I, and I also I'm, just want to note, like, mm-hmm. I have experience with these dart bombs because Israel has used them widely in Gaza. Um, they, they killed a Palestinian journalist. I think his name was Fadel Shana. I forgot which year. I want to say 2006. Uh, but I know for sure in, in 2009, in January of 2009, um, the Israeli army used dart bombs. They killed a medic friend that I worked with. They shot the dart bomb right at the ambulance Arafat Abdeldayan was standing at. He was shredded with these little razor sharp uh, darts, which I don't know if this article gets into it, but they're designed uh, on impact to break apart and cause more damage and make it, if the person survives, make it very difficult to extract these little metal fragments. Um, But Arafah was shredded because it was shot right at his ambulance and he went into shock and died. And he was just a a beautiful uh, volunteer medic. He was a high school teacher. But then like the the salt on the wound was that they fired on the morning tents uh, the next day. So family and friends and relatives that had gathered to pay their respects uh, to Arafah. They were fired upon with these dart bombs and more people were killed and injured. And when I was writing about this back in the day in 2009, I, I remember coming across a, a kid. I, I, he was from central Gaza or something. And he still had a, a dart in his shoulder, which could not be removed. It was too, So anyway, this just to make the point, um, you know, if if we want to believe for the sake of argument, if we want to believe that Russia has used dart bombs on these people in Bucha, which I don't believe. But if you want to believe that this is a war crime. Israel has done it repeatedly and widely to Palestinians in Gaza. Where is your indignation? Where is right. the condemnation? I mean, even this article, the way that it just, I was actually blown away that The Guardian actually even put this in the article. I mean, it's what you were just literally saying, that this person died and they shot it and that they do it all the time. End of paragraph. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, you literally just admit that yeah. we know they do it all the time and nobody seems to care about it. It, it just it, It's frustrating that it's so blatantly hypocritical. And then your other point is that these things are used regularly. Uh, butterfly bullets we've talked about as well. These are just punitive actions meant to hurt people. And 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 the other question would be why in the world, as your, to your point, Russia would use an old Soviet era and actually 1970s was is the level of I looked at is the SH one I believe is one of the munitions and that's from the 1970s. And I the other point I keep making is that this is being stated even as we know in the Western press already came out. I think it was April, March 21st, and literally reported that U.S. was sending Soviet defense systems, but Soviet weaponry secretly acquired to Ukraine. It just blows me away that we have the pieces, right? I mean, and the argument is, well, so we would know how to work against them. Oh, because Russia uses (laughs) old 70s Soviet air weaponry? No. You know, it's just. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, your question, why would Russia use those weapons if they did? And I don't for a moment believe they did. They have all sorts of weapons. If their goal was to massacre civilians, they can just use conventional bombs. Exactly. Which would would work much better. It's not logical in any sense. On top of that, how about the evidence? Right. Even the Guardian's acknowledging we have lots of evidence. Israel does this regularly, but there's no evidence to prove that this, in fact, was Russia, just Putin's playbook. And that's this is where we get into things that are, you know, wildly hypocritical. And then the last point was what what Tony, uh, I'd like to get the link, by the way, to his new work, because Tony does great yeah. work. So this is from, uh, actually, I, I credit this to I, Earl Gray, as uh, is is an account on, on YouTube. Uh, this was from October 2014. And this is after the, you know, U.S. government controlled territory here and there, the regime change. Surgeons in Ukraine's rebel Donetsk confirm cluster bomb usage. And this is backed up by Human Rights Watch, where they're confirming that the Ukrainian side used not only the flashes, but cluster bombs with the flashes and acknowledge. And this is the point today is they're acknowledging that they're using cluster bombs 
or rather the other side is without any hypocritical or excuse me without any pointing out that u.s government gets caught using these all over the place but yes. I, mean, I mean we we already kind of talked about it i guess last point just it's obvious that the ukraine side has already been caught using these things with the exact same thing and yet the yeah. western press can't even be bothered to mention that in their reporting of the exact of same it's just it's pretty obvious right well you know and uh, i mentioned the media delegation i joined a couple weeks ago or maybe it's three weeks ago now it was like uh march 24 25 i think if i remember correctly anyway um we were just two days in the dpr and the lpr we started in donetsk we started at the site of a march 14th uh Tushka-u missile strike which included cluster munitions which killed uh i think 21 people and injured up to 40 right so we we were at the site we could see the imprint of the impact point you know in, in the pavement and we could see um um, candles and flowers laid in memorial to the people that were murdered. Um, and and then, of course, during the two days, uh, meeting the various people that we met, uh, we heard at length uh, about, you know, Ukraine's eight years of war on the people of Donbass, um, of, like you said, the 14,000 people killed, of whom at least, I believe it's at least 8,000 are civilians. Um, I did I, I tallied by by contacting authorities in both republics to find out how many civilians. So I think I'm not misremembering that number. Um, and also we went to a liberated area, um, Volnavaka, and saw a hospital there that was badly destroyed. Um, and the, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't already said this, have I? I'm, I'm a little bit no, tired today. So no, 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 no. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I wonder if I'm repeating I just, myself. I'm, I'm just blown away by how, you know, it just, it makes me sad every time we talk about this stuff because these people get misrepresented. Like they're the terrorists while they're being killed. It's the same like everywhere else. Yeah. It just makes me sad. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to make my point more succinctly, but in Volnavaka, we, we saw this hospital that was badly destroyed. Um, and we talked with a chief physician who spoke for five or six minutes. And in that time, he specifically said a couple of times, Ukrainian soldiers had occupied the hospital. They brought weapons into the hospital. And he definitely said before they left, before they retreated, they mined the ICU. Um, right. And then uh, there was also a nurse. Now, I can't say for sure whether the French media heard this this elderly nurse who'd worked at the hospital for, I think it was like six decades. I don't know if they heard her. But I think they did. But let's assume even if they didn't. We all heard the chief physician and make that point. But this elderly nurse also was devastated that the hospital had been largely destroyed. She also specifically stated Ukrainian forces were in the hospital and had militarized it. And why would they do this to our people is what she said. And the French media, what did they do for their reports? Did they include the chief physician? Yes, they did. They included around three seconds at best of him saying, I don't know how this happened. And it was totally disingenuous because he very specifically stated, and I have a video I put it on my blog when I wrote an article about this uh, delegation, how these people lied and omitted facts, very key facts. Um, I put this video out and you could see quite clearly he, he stipulates Ukrainian forces were in the hospital. And the other right. thing, uh, disingenuous thing they did was they did not talk about the March 14th attack, even though if this had been in a Ukrainian city, they sure would have talked about it, it would have been the major point of their report. And they didn't talk about the eight years of war on the Donbass. Uh, all they did was say, we're here. This is what Russia wants us to see, essentially. That's it. So, I mean, these are people that saw and heard the same things I heard and saw, but chose to cherry pick what they were going to report. I mean, it's, it's just such a common tag. What I keep trying to point out, and here's an example of this I'll point out next. This shows you beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're aware that they're hiding something like this isn't there's no way you could do what you just described and not have that person be aware that they're 
covering up part of something that exposes that they're lying. It's, it's, there's just no way around it. Alan McLeod just point, pointed this out. This is from uh, uh, Die Welt or Welt Die. Uh, this are uh, right there, Die Welt. The, the, they called it the lie of the neo-Nazi battalion and the guilt of the West. And he points out, but the image they literally used to discuss the Aza battalion has three unambiguous Nazi symbols in it, right? It's just ridiculous. And then I point out, after he hmm. did that, look at what they did. They changed the title to today's Azov regiment no longer has anything to do with neo-Nazi battalion. They then use an image that doesn't even show the Azov battalion because their image would show you a Nazi symbol. So what I said is it shows you that that they makes it makes it all more obvious that they're well aware that they're hiding what they pretend is not there. You just can't get past right. that. At some level, they're very aware that they're covering up the reality. And I just think that's super important for people to understand to include that. Do you remember um, in Syria, uh, now I don't remember the guy's name. He, I think he was British. I might be wrong. He was, uh, he was a journalist and was captured, I think, by ISIS. And there was a video of him. Um, gosh, I don't want to muck this up. But I think basically in the video, you could see insignia of either Al-Qaeda or ISIS. And maybe it was like a flag or something. And he described the white helmets as working with them you know and it's just like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the media I, I i can't remember how that video was actually portrayed but like <laughs> that was an accidental like oops admission right. i suppose but it, certainly yeah. the media wouldn't have highlighted that um yeah. i just want to say uh my my internet is breaking up a bit but i did want to talk about what i saw today if you don't mind please yeah jump right into it go ahead so i sent you a link i don't know if you see it in the chat there mm -hmm. uh to a tweet of mine yeah go ahead go ahead and start i have the tweet I'll bring it up. Yeah. Okay. So um, basically around noon, it might've been just before noon today, uh, Ukrainian forces again attacked uh, Donetsk. They attacked uh, um, an area just west of the heart of Donetsk. Um, I'm not sure for sure what kind of missile it was. Uh, one man I spoke with said it was a grad. In any case, uh, at least five people were killed. And uh, what was the tally? I said, I think in 23 were injured, mm -hmm. including some people that were badly injured. And I went with uh, another journalist who speaks Russian. I, I am very clear in, in stating I don't speak Russian beyond a few words here and there. But he was able to interview this uh, man who works at the market and the man took us around and I didn't expect the bodies to be still there. Actually, I thought they would, you know, two hours later, I thought they would have been gone. So I was a bit shocked to see they were still there. I mean, I have unfortunately seen such dead bodies uh, on many occasions prior in occupied Palestine. Um, but yeah, I, I did blur the faces just out of respect for the dead. And because mm -hmm. I know some people can't handle um, seeing that visual, but this is, this is the reality that people here have been enduring for eight years. And the man said, like, you know, we, we walked around, it's, it's quite a large market. Um, it's surrounded by apartment buildings. It's completely a residential area. There's no military target there. It's this, this targeting of this area either. He said that their area has been targeted many times over the years. Um, but it's pure terrorizing. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. There's no military strategic uh, objective in targeting that area. It's just more people. And uh, what was the other point I was going to make? Oh, well, the journalist I was with um, noted uh, that um, that, that the man had said the attack occurred around noon and that this was like one of the busiest times of day. And that's, you know, precisely what the terror We might have lost her there, guys. I'm going to give it a moment, see if she comes back. But just to continue on her point that this is typically what we see in Syria, in Israel, or rather occupied Palestine, we continue to see them target the locations where it will have the most damage, the most effect. 
which we're talking about human life here. And this is documented, discussed openly. And there's just some points I'll show you. Hopefully we get her back. If not, I'll just continue through it. Oh, there we go. Got you back. Sorry. I don't know what happened there. I'll no just worry. make my Please. point up. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say uh, the targeting of these densely uh, populated uh, areas um, at a busy time of day is precisely what terrorist factions did in Syria. Even if you just look at Damascus, of course, they were they, they did this in Aleppo, they did this in Homs, they did this all throughout areas they occupied or were next to. But in Damascus alone, because uh, as you know, I spent quite a bit of time uh, in, in Damascus from 2014 and other areas of Syria, of course. But uh, I was in the old city of Damascus in the Eastgate region, and that was closest to the areas that were being occupied in eastern Ghouta. And the terrorists chose times when uh, children would, would be going to and from school or when busy marketplaces would be filled. And this is this is what, what happened today is the same tactic. Mm-hmm. It's very unfortunate. You know, and as always, Pete, I think what's important to point out is that this stuff is – oh, by the way, I'm glad I didn't want to forget this. Uh, this What exact location was this, you said? And this is in what – this is in the, the Donbass region? Is this where this happened? I'm sorry. Uh, could you repeat that, please? It's kind yeah. of. I just wanted to confirm before I, before I move forward what, the the exact region. I thought I missed it when you were talking. This is the Donbass region. This is in a specific area in the Donbass region. Yes, it is. I'm just going to open my tweet because I can't remember the name of the um, uh, and Kirovsky. So it is. It yeah. is just west of the heart of Donetsk city. So it's. It's. I think technically considered um, Donetsk. Uh, oblast, uh, kind of like not in the heart of Donetsk, but still part of the government is, is my understanding. But anyway, look, it took me from where I am now, it took me a 20, 20 minute cab ride to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my point was just the and, uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, just the other point, again, that this journalist I was with made, he was like, you know, because I said, well, this is a bigger market than normal. Like, it's, it's quite long. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, because um, he's he's lived in Russia, and so he, he has a good understanding of Russian culture. And he's like, you know, this is where the working class people come, because this mm. is where you get everything you need, but not at expensive retail prices, but like, you know, in market prices. And so, again, this this region and this this market, sorry, in the time of day would have been very packed with people. And, and Ukrainian forces shelling knew that. Right, right. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure the point and where it exactly was, because it doesn't make sense. I mean, is it possible that this was an accidental or, or deliberate bomb from any from Russia or anybody? Certainly all, anything's possible. But you have to get you know, we just like we just talked about throughout this conversation. We need evidence to back these things up. And the argument that I would make and I, the point I'm making is how they might try to frame this as a Russian attack or that we should consider that is it makes no logical strategic military sense to bomb a location that you're currently in control of. It just does not add up other than their broad, meaningless, baseless argument that they're just crazy. That that just doesn't exist. No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's it's the same argument of like, for example, in any of the chemical allegations in Syria, right. uh, if, right. if, if the Syrian army has... Oh, we might have lost her again. I, that's the point I always make as well, right? The, the idea, whether it's here or Syria or anywhere else, it is simply ridiculous to argue that they would do the one thing that would trigger the action that they don't want to t- be taken place uh, to, to take place from the other side in this case the united states government they're already floating all the ideas the discussions and nato joining and more arming and everything they're discussing based on red lines even though they're crossing red lines everywhere the, the russia points out it, it's it's ridiculous but anyway to i'm going to jump forward and hope she comes back uh, in any case it seems like she's having trouble with the internet at the moment But what I was going to go into next was this discussion. 
the idea that it's this is Bucha. This is the here she comes back and we'll get her thoughts on this. Sorry, um, I'll finish my my point with uh, the same same uh, illogical rationale of of the Syrian army using chemical weapons in Guja, for example, right. because uh, there were Syrian soldiers. I interviewed uh, Wasim Issa, who was a, a really heroic Syrian soldier who lost both his lower legs uh, to terrorist bombing. Uh, but he told me in, I think it was the 2013 uh, alleged attack in Jober, he said, like, I was there on the ground. And the allegations of the chemical attack then, I believe it was like 100 meters from where he was. And he was like, we had a defensive position. We were not attacking. We were defending. But if an attack had occurred, I'd be dead, you know. And uh, and also, um, the, so Syrian soldiers would be dead. There are Russian soldiers here. You know, they could have been killed. It makes no sense whatsoever. And anyway, th- you know, this has been happening for years before Russia soldiers came before the military operation in Ukraine. This is just uh, a continuation of, frankly, what is terrorism. Yep, exactly. By the, very, by the very definition of the word, exactly. Yeah. And, and that, that's, the, that's the idea that I was saying before, just to clarify in case that was confusing, that they're being framed as terrorists, even as they're the ones being attacked. The same thing happens in Palestine, yeah. and it just it, it breaks my heart. But yeah. to get a couple of thoughts before, in case you lose the internet again, the, and I, I was wanted to jump in the next point in regard to uh, Azov specifically, but I just wanted to make sure people saw this. And maybe if you hadn't comment, this is Bucha. Okay, this is on the on video Ukrainian military dragging these bodies into place that ended up being in the same positions they were when Maxar Technology showed this. Now, what I found really telling about this is that this video comes out on Twitter. The Twitterverse. And the public opinion courtroom all argues about what's happening. Oh, no, I heard it was IEDs they were checking for to make sure Russia didn't plant it, whatever. But that's never made in the Western press. This video is as if it didn't even exist, according to Western media. But what's interesting is that you can verifiably point out that it's ridiculous. Anybody military, and I've checked with a few of them, would say, look, this guy's like 10 feet away. Are we really going to pretend he's trying to check for IEDs when he would kill himself if it actually happened? Or the fact that they would continue moving it after that? and walk up to it, kick the body. Like, it's just kind of a silly argument. So bottom line is, here's evidence of Ukraine military moving bodies in the streets in Bucha, right? So it's amazing this evidence can be in existence, yet it's not anywhere in the Western media, corporate media. It's not anywhere outside of a Twitter argument. And what it shows you is the same positions they end up in. It also shows you the bodies before they would be, like, if they were there for a week in 50-degree temperatures, like they claim, they would be a balloon at this point. I mean, anybody that's been in these zones, as I know I haven't, but I know people like yourself that have discussed these things, and it's pretty horrific when you see bodies that have been in the sun for a week. That's not what they look like. So I just think that's interesting. We can push past that if you want, unless you want to comment on it. I know you have limited time with the Internet. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't know why it keeps cutting out. I think there are general general problems with the Internet mm-hmm. as, as of today for whatever reason. So. No I mean, no, I mean, w- w- you and I know this, and I, I think I would, I would imagine, of course, your, your uh, followers and, and viewers know this, but like, again, Western corporate media does not exist to uh, tell us what's happening in terms of like, here's the news. It exists to sell us what's happening in terms of the message they want to sell, right? So right. that's why you're not going to see videos like this that contradict. Oh, dang it. I was just going to ask her one of my favorite questions. I wanted to ask her what she, if she thinks that the people reporting this in corporate media to some degree actually believe their own BS and aren't smart enough to realize that they're just towing a line, right? In any case, this is a really obvious and revealing video, as I was going to say, on the New York Times' own reporting of this where they cite Maxar Technologies. It shows the video of the same Mercedes, the same body, the same street, and it's the same exact position. I mean, and so... Either they drug it into position and took the picture or they did what they did and then put it back into place. I mean, it's just kind of a silly argument. 
But if she comes back, we'll jump into the next part of it, which was the OSCE and the claims of Russian war crimes. Now, what's interesting is the same argument that we're discussing on a previous show, which is that they're arguing right now from the, oh, uh, this is the, uh, where's the term? I, oh, I keep forgetting the, the, the group's name, the OSCE. Sorry, <laughs> this is, let me see here. I don't know why I can't find this from last time. But anyway, the group, which I'll, I'll grab as we go through here, which we just reported on. Let me just find it really quickly. OSCE. Or am I saying it backwards? OSCE. There it is. Get the main name here. Okay, so this is the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, which is a gigantic entity, which I wasn't aware of before this, which covers this exact topic. And continues to point out, before we got here, that the Ukrainian army was guilty of just the utmost top, like the worst of the worst of the worst human rights violations over and over and over right up until now. It's amazing, right? Now that's just not existed. We're not referencing that. We're not talking about it. It just doesn't even play a factor. But now it's all Russia war crimes, by the way, without evidence. And that's what you're going to see. A report is circulating alleging Russian war crimes in Ukraine. And that it's exactly what it sounds like. You can read it on on, on uh Eva's blog herself, or itself, and the reality that this is stemming 100% from the same people we just pointed out got caught lying about Mariupol mass graves, or Bucha, or anything else. The very same mayors and Ukrainian says entities. That's all it rests on. Meanwhile, here's the report we discussed from 2016. We went over this in a previous show, which is horrific. The image you're looking at right now, as you've seen before, is this person's beaten, battered arms and hands, bruised and bloody. And the image, as it says right here, tortured to death by SBU officers, November 2014. This is after U.S. control. By the way, on top of that, I was hoping to get Eva Bartlett's point to comment on this, but they're right now framing it as if the, the, the journalism, you know, under attack because Russia's present, despite the fact that the Atlantic Council and plenty of others made it clear, as you've seen before, that up until that point, the deadliest profession in Ukraine was being a journalist and that people were being killed and attacked. We're talking about BBC, Reuters, Al Jazeera, every, all of them saying that we're being attacked by the Ukrainian government. And now they can't even be bothered to point at it. It's very revealing. I was hoping to get her thoughts on this kind of discussion, but I guess we can just wrap it up there in general, guys, because really you've, you've heard my thoughts about this topic in general. But just recognize that the bottom line is that this has been built. Regardless of what you think of Russia and what they're capable of, what they've done, and which is all certainly very relevant and what you should consider, but we should always wait for facts and evidence to make an allegation, that the CIA has verifiably built a fascist entity to use against the Soviet Union post-World War II, and then of course, or after, and yes, and then after World War II against Russia, essentially, after that developed. The point is that they've now built, from 2014 forward, the Azov Battalion. It's all on the record. Here's Whitney's great article about it, Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda, how this was built, organized, planned. And it comes, and this is the one from before that, from not just Azov, not the movement or the battalion. The CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. It's their own documentation. Mykhailo Labed, the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, it all, all ties together, guys. They have been building this. And they were also writing about it right up until 2021 where they're telling you that this is happening. How a white supremacist militia uses Facebook to turn, and they, they talk about the international scope and the different groups and the movement. And then 30 seconds later, it's that they didn't exist after 2016. It's incredible. Now going past 2021, here is an updated document from March, 2022, that makes the exact same argument of the Oz of Italian specifically, but rather that they're a movement today. 
Now, to finish off, I wanted to make sure we saw this, which I'll talk about in today's show. The governor of this of the Nokolov Oblast in Ukraine says that civilians cooperating with Russia will face extrajudicial execution. Admits that the blogger assassinated in his car that we discussed was a traitor and says more will happen. This is the democracy that you're supporting, guys. Well, let me see if I have the video. I can play that real quick. Otherwise, I'll download it really quickly for you all to see. So this is important because this person is openly, openly standing there telling you that he is going to murder people if they're working with the Russian government. And not just military, but civilians actually just assisting them. And we've already seen this discussion where they're claiming it's fake news, right? Because they wouldn't do that, except here they are literally saying, we're going to do that. We have done that, and we're going to continue to do that. So what are you going to listen to? What the media says these people want to do or what they literally themselves openly say they want to do. And this has been confirmed. I have the original link I'll put in the show notes from the interview itself. Meanwhile, a regional governor of Ukraine has claimed he's ready to hunt down and execute people who support Russia. The chilling words came in an interview with the Ukrainian news channel. Today, a Russian blogger was shot dead in his car. This means that there are still Russian traitors in Ukraine, and all traitors will be executed. I am not afraid of this word, it will be so. And we will not be able to stop people from shooting traitors either. I want to remind everyone that a service has already begun work that will look for such people. It's already operating. You need to understand that we are far ahead in terms of information technology, hacking. We have very good specialists and there are large databases. Everyone can be tracked. No one can escape justice. Doesn't get much more clear than that, guys. Now, again, you, you can choose to take what he tells you he thinks, and you can check the link for yourself and recognize that's very much what he actually said. And the databases and the tracking and the, the whole great reset technocratic reference that we're not supposed to connect with the bigger story. The obvious reality that this is something bigger going on. And that it's amazing the direct hypocritical misrepresentation as we discuss the inverse of reality from the corporate media. As we hear what they tell you they're doing. As they discuss their plans to grow this fascist entity throughout Europe, throughout the world and continue to push their ideology. Which, by the way, is clearly, in my opinion, being built and planned to lay at the feet of people in this country that challenge the government narrative as if it's only one side of a false two-party paradigm. The reality is that they have been doing this anywhere else you've ever looked, any other situation you've ever looked, or we've already talked about Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, Bolivia, it's on and on and on and on. The choice is, the question is whether or not you are critical thinking enough to have show enough discernment to be able to stand back and acknowledge that reality, not the reality of what I think is happening, the reality that you are being lied to. It's easy to show. It just is whether you're willing to look at it. So Eva, thank you for joining me today. I'm sad. Unfortunately, we lost our internet there, which is something that you deal with when you're in areas like this, when during conflict and so on. But we'll try to connect with her again in the future. But I tell you guys, there's few out there with the kind of integrity of someone like Eva Bartlett. And by the way, as, I, as I've already been told, her work is being used out there by people that aren't giving her credit, which is typically what happens, the usual suspects. The bottom line is, this is somebody out there fighting for you. Show discernment. Question what she's giving you because you should. Question what I'm telling you because that's your responsibility. Self-responsibility is the foundational tenet of any kind of actual representative or any free society. So thank you for joining me today. 
Continue to check out Eva's work. I'll put all of her links in the show notes. As always, guys, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.